thankful for. Well, you'll remember a year ago this weekend, I was being stupid, and I was running down the stairs, and I dislocated my finger. You guys all saw the splint I was wearing. Well, Tom, uh, Tom Brady shook my hand this morning, and he gripped it. He gripped it hard, and I didn't have any pain. So that was one thing I was thankful for. Usually I'm kneeling down and writhing in pain when he does that, but it was good. So anyways, I am thankful. Um, you'll, you'll hear it in my message this morning, but this is celebrating God's goodness weekend, and it's a time where we can um, celebrate God's goodness to us as individuals and as a church. So I want to read um, a portion of scripture. I'm going to actually start in verse 7, or verse 1, and uh, Psalm chapter 145. So if you grab your Bibles, first service, um, John Steck read it for us during the welcome. Did Tim didn't read it, did he? Okay. Hmm? 100, okay. Because I, I was talking to somebody at that time I didn't wasn't in here. So in Psalm 145, I'm going to read um, verses 1 through 12, and that's where we'll stop right there. And I'm reading from the New Living Translation. I like the way this is a translation, and it, and it just makes it flow, and um, really, I like the way it, it words it. So it'll be a little different than, than the ESV that you're used to. It says, I will extol you, my God and King, and praise your name forever and ever. I will praise you every day. Yes, I will praise you forever. Great is the Lord, and, and he is most worthy of praise. No one can measure his greatness. Let each generation tell its children of your mighty acts. Let them proclaim your power. I will meditate on your majestic, glorious splendor and your wonderful miracles. Your awe-inspiring deeds will be on every tongue. I will proclaim your greatness, and everyone will share the, the story of your wonderful goodness, and they will sing with joy about your righteousness. <clears throat> the Lord is merciful and compassionate, slow to get angry and, and filled with unfailing love. The Lord is good to everyone. He showers compassion on his creation. All of your works will thank you, Lord. And your faithful followers will praise you. They will speak of your glory, of the glory of your kingdom. Sorry. They will give examples of your power. And they will tell about your mighty deeds and about the majesty and glory of your reign. Let's pray together and then we're going to dive into this brief message. So Father, thank you for this morning and, and Lord for just the fact that you are great. You are a great God and, and, and holy. We sang about that, that you're a good, good Father. You are holy, holy, holy and there is none beside you. There is no one to turn to except to you, God. The world has nothing to offer, temporary fulfillment and happiness, but eternal joy comes only from knowing you. So, Lord, thank you for this time that we have these few minutes together that we can share in your grace and your love and your power and might with one another. In Jesus' name, amen. That's not mine. Okay. 
whenever <laughs> I get a chance to talk about God's goodness, I kind of get excited about that. It's one of my favorite things to talk about because I've seen, I, I got saved maybe as a kid, but I say it was when I was 18, so that was many years ago, 50-something, is it, wait, I'm, I'm not 70, some 40-something years ago. And it's just, I've seen God do so many things, but in relation to, to our church here, I, I started attending Cornerstone in 1999 as 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 a layperson, and at that time, we were about 250 people. This, we had two services, and, and Pastor Dean was preaching. Uh, we, we were being fed under his ministry and healing from a hurt from a previous church and, and just absorbed. I felt just the welcome in that. And while many churches, Mainline denominations are, are, are not growing or they're, they're actually decreasing. And Carol mentioned that, that when you mentioned Howard's, I, I sort of put myself in that same gray hairs, I call them. That when you go to some of these churches, that's all you see. There's a church that I, I know has is, is got a, a role of about 800 people on their membership. And how many people come to church? 25. And, and that's... That's the sad state of the mainline denominations who are not preaching the word of God. And, and many of you mentioned that, that that is, the, that is the foundation of our church, is the word of God. And that's, that's what makes us different and stand out. Any other church that's growing in this area, you're going to see it's because they're following the word of God. Well, now we are averaging 600 people a weekend. And when you think of that, in the east out here, that's a lot. If you're from the Midwest or from the south, 600 is just a small church. But up here, people say, boy, you got 600 people? I meet with a group of pastors on Tuesdays, and we pray together. And, and, and three of the churches are, are having about 40 or 50 people. They're out and way out in the country in the boonies and places like that. But they're very, very small. And when I talk about our congregation, I kind of hesitate because I don't want to sound proud or boastful, but I am proud of what's going on at, in the Lord, that is, not anything that I've done. But we're, we're having this, we have, we have four services in English and one in Spanish, and then we have our Riverside ministry. So we're well over 600 when you add Riverside in there also. And so what I want to do is read verses 1 to 4 again, and, and, and what it says here, it says, I will exalt you my God and King, and praise your name forever and ever. I will praise you every day. Yes, I will praise you forever. Great is the Lord. He is most worthy of praise. No one can measure his greatness. Let every generation tell its children of your mighty acts and let them proclaim your power. That last verse is what I wanted to look at is that that we need to let every generation tell its children of your mighty acts and let them proclaim your power. And during the first services when we have lots of kids, usually we'll have 30 or 40 kids coming up here and praying and then they, they head out to their class. Man, it's neat to see. And so I, I get excited every time I invite the kids down and it's amazing sometimes what they say. But um, kids do say the darndest things, right? Yeah. But what do we attribute our growth to? What is, what is it that sets us apart different 
from other churches that are, that are dying, that are having less people. Well, we look at our facilities. How many of you think this is a pretty church? A couple of you. All right. It is a beautiful, beautiful place, but when you look at it, we cannot expand. We don't have a parking lot. How many had to park two blocks away before they could get in here this morning? Because oh, there's nowhere to park. The buildings are old. They're very heat, energy inefficient, and we're soaking money into them all the time. So it's not our church that attracts people. The buildings, that's not it. It's the people. It's the people in here that, that make a difference. And, and that's, that's what God is doing at Cornerstone. Somebody mentioned... Oh, my wife did, about all the pastors and stuff that are here. But I want to go farther than that into all of our Sunday school teachers, the life group leaders, the ones who cook the food on Mondays and then serve at Monday nights at our soup kitchen, those that are so involved in our church. That's what makes our church amazing, is you, who come and are part of it and getting plugged in and getting into a life group and learning uh, just looking at the college students here, coming on, on Monday nights for 60 minutes. Do you enjoy that time? It's amazing time. This, they come for 60 minutes, have a little meal, and then somebody shares something from the Word. And uh, once they all come back, we're going to talk, uh, we talked about how to be a godly woman, a godly man, and then next time we're going to talk about being a godly single. What does that look like? And I don't want to give you any foreknowledge because I don't want you to tell the rest of the students what it's about. So I'll save that for later. But... In 2007, David Berry, when we had our on-ramps to service weekend, David Berry said, I want to keep this ministry going, feeding the people. And so the board said, go at it. So from, from April of 2007, I came in July, and I jumped right in, was helping out at a Riverside Ministry, our soup kitchen. We have never missed a Monday, except twice. One was Christmas fell on Monday, and so we told everybody we weren't we're going to give the staff that day off. Then the other one was a state of emergency. There was a snowstorm, and they wouldn't let us go on the roads. Those were the only two times we missed. Even during Hurricane Sandy, which came on Monday, we were down there serving. It took me an hour and a half to get home afterwards, going down this road, and a tree was down. I had to backtrack and go around and try this road. Finally, I, I got to my house, and it was, it was quite the trip. But God's faithfulness, and, you, and you know, this is the thing that, that amazes me, is that we have never lacked for volunteer help down there. We've always had enough staff, you know, that people change. Come, somebody will come for a few years, and then their job changes or their life circumstance change, and they can't come anymore. Well, God raises somebody else up to come and take their place. And, and this ministry has been going on and on. What a praise to the Lord. Riverside is not just feeding people. It's giving them the gospel, spending time, building relationships with them, helping them with clothing, with some food pantry stuff, and, and serving a meal, and sitting down and talking with them and helping them. We've had numbers, not numbers, but a few people that have come out of there, and their lives have been totally regenerated through coming to the soup kitchen and being, being a part of that. So it's even that's so cool. Then the other thing is is our Thanksgiving outreach. How many were there Thursday? Anybody? Yeah, you guys were there. There was some, some of you, but realize, even if you didn't raise your hand, a lot of you gave goods. And this is the first year in the in the 
12 and a half years, no, how many years we've been doing this? Um, it was back in 2005, so you do the math. It's a long time. 14 years that we've been doing this. And it started in, in, in Carol Nemec's in her mom's backyard. And, and they, they cooked them. Um, Stephen and Carol, they weren't married yet. And my son Caleb wasn't married yet. And Nathan Ekins wasn't married yet. And then a few other people from The Edge, which was a ministry that the Wildersons began, they cooked deep-fried 12 turkeys and prepared all the meals and took them out to the people to give. Well, now, just the other day, somebody corrected me because I said we did 38 turkeys this year. We actually did 39, but one of them was mine. So I only say 38. The last one that went in was for us for Thanksgiving that because um, my son is in charge of that, so he, he drew his own in. So, <clears throat> But the thing is, when, when I'm... Look, when I'm down there, this year, I did not have to do a lift a hand to do anything that day on Thursday because there were almost 100 volunteers that came in to help. At 5 o'clock in the morning, some came, some came at 8, some came at 9 to help with cleanup and things. But that speaks volumes to the God's grace in your life, doesn't it? That, that God is doing some work in and through Cornerstone. And, and what is our... our, our our purpose statement is that we are to love God, grow together, and serve others. And that's what was very evident Thursday when, we came, when people came. We had some people come to specifically pray for people who were coming to get a meal. And, and I had the privilege of being part of that too. And when you would ask some people, when they would come, they, they would say, uh, we'd ask them, is there anything we could pray for you while you're here? Is there anything we can pray? Do you have any needs or anything that we can pray for? Oh, no, we're okay. And, and then we would just keep going, and all of a sudden, tears would start flowing. And they said, yes, you know, I'm going through this, I'm, you know, this, I'm a single mom, I, I, I'm having a hard time making ends meet. And, and the tears would start coming, and we'd get to wrap our arms around them and, and pray over them and, and, and just minister to them. It makes the whole thing worth it. All the getting up early and, and, and doing all this stuff to be able to pray with somebody and help them to understand God's grace in their life. That's what it's about. And in fact, one of the ladies that was there, um, we, we helped her load her car up. And as she was putting some stuff on the back seat, I noticed that in the end, that, that, end, that compartment behind the front seat, you know, that you put junk into, whatever you call that thing, there was a Bible there. And I said, oh, you got a Bible there. She said, yeah, I haven't read it in a long time. I need to be reading it more. Because my mom was a pastor in the, in the inner city church, and, and, and I just sort of walked away. So as we prayed for her, that's what we were praying about, is that she would just get a hunger and thirst for God's word again and begin reading that. And, and it was just really neat. We practiced the team, effect, team method, you know, the T-E-A-M, that acronym. Together, everyone accomplishes much. And that's what it is. That's what we do. That's what our church is known for, is to be getting out into the valley. And what did you get out of this? What do you get out of doing, getting up at 5 o'clock and going and standing out in the cold, frying turkeys or mash? Over 250 pounds of potatoes they peeled, mashed up, and, and made into mashed potatoes. And boxes and boxes and boxes of dressing. What do you get out of it? Well, I got a free turkey of it, but no, it wasn't free. I had to buy it, but 
we really don't benefit from that except in the fact that we we get to bless other people. We get to act out what God, we are his hands and his feet and blessing other people. That's what we have to be grateful for. How God has blessed us. We don't need to be a recipient of that meal because we have been blessed by God. We have the honor and the privilege and the responsibility to then take what God has given us and then bless other people with that. Tim talked about that last week. I'm going to mention that in a few minutes here. But let's move on to the verse 6 and 7. It says, Your awe-inspiring deeds will be on every tongue. I will proclaim your greatness. Everyone will share the story of your wonderful goodness, and they will sing with joy about your righteousness. When I read these two verses, I was, I was struck by the word your. Four times in those two verses, the word your is, is, is mentioned. And so I did a quick count. I went back through the whole chapter in the New Living Translation. It mentions the word you or your 26 times at least. That's what I counted. I could have missed one or two. But 26 times. And that doesn't include the words like he, his, or the Lord. That whole chapter is just pointing us. This is the object of our worship. Because your awe-inspiring deeds, your greatness, your wonderful goodness, and your righteousness, it's all about him. Last week, Pastor Tim was, was um, well, I don't, I don't want to get ahead of me yet. But the thing that, that challenges me, and it should encourage all of us, is that this is the important thing. It's not about me. It's not about you. What is it? When you look at this, it's your awe-inspiring deeds, your greatness, your wonderful goodness, your righteousness. It's not about me. In other words, uh, to help understand that better, in other words, the blessings of the Lord are not for my benefit, ease, or comfort, but for his glory and to be able to serve him better. You understand? Tim talked about that last week in our giving when he gives us we need to see, God, how do you want me to use that for your glory? How can I spend my money wisely? One of the guys that shared in his testimony uh, for service, he started talking about uh, the fact that he's retired now and he's done much more skiing and he's gone to these, this trip and that. I said, oh boy, where's this thing going? And, and, uh, but then he said, I was asked to go on a mission trip. And so I said, I'm going to go. He said, that's what I want to do. I want to take these things that for my self-enjoyment and stuff, I want to change that and make this something where I can serve God. And because I have more time, I can devote myself to my kids and my grandkids, investing into their lives and go on mission trips and helping out with other things. He said, that's where my life is finding joy and fulfillment in retirement. That's, that's cool. That's what it's all about. Because... When we, the minute we begin to think that we are entitled to anything or we deserve a comfortable life, that's where we've crossed the line and began serving a false god. That self is a very volatile and dangerous enemy that, that wars against God, that I want my pleasures, I want to get a job that I can make lots of money, that I can buy this and that, I, I can do this, I can live a comfortable life, I'm... I know people who are millionaires that are miserable. They're miserable because they're using it wrongly. 
But I know other millionaires who are very joyful because they're using the blessings of God to bless others. And I've seen it both ways. I've seen poor people who are miserable. I've seen poor people who are very happy. And because of how God is taking care of them. So self desires and comfort and ease is a very dangerous and volatile enemy that, that continues to war against God. So like I said, last week Pastor Tim was talking about being a generous giver. And he mentioned in there that if we're not being stretched by our giving, then we're not trusting God. Did you understand that? Was that offensive to some people? You know, because God has blessed me. I, I, I'm com- I live a comfortable life. Well, what if God were to say, I want you to give $1,000. This lady's car is dead. She needs a new car. Can you give her $1,000 toward a new car? What would you do? What would you say? What would, oh, man, God, I don't know. I'm trying to save up this money for this or, or that. And because and, uh, I, I, I need a new set of golf clubs, and that 52-inch TV is just not big enough. And, you know, where, where's the focus? Is on themselves and how they can be happy. But God says, I blessed you, so now let's turn that around and stretch ourselves. I'd like to take that a little further because it's not just our finances that we need to be stretched in to see God's goodness. So how can we ever claim to explain God's awesome deeds if we've never experienced any? You ever think about that? That how can I how can I ever praise God for all his provision when I've been doing it all myself? So he's saying, I want to stretch you. I want you to do something. I, even if it's going, when, so, when, when I sneeze and someone says, God bless you, what my first my response is, I am blessed with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Ephesians chapter 1. Just, I just, I just a natural thing because I don't want to um, give praise to any demon, demons or anything, whatever it is. I just return it over to God. And, and worship him that way. So, I'm talking more than just our finances. And one of my favorite passages, I want to read this really quick, is in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verses 1 to 5. It says, we want, to know, we want you to know, brothers, about the grace of God that has been given among the churches of Macedonia. For in a severe test of affliction, their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty have overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. For they gave according to their means, as I can testify, and beyond their means of their own accord, begging us earnestly for the favor of taking part in the relief of the saints. And this, not as we had expected, but they gave themselves first to the Lord and then by the will of God to us. So here were some churches that were struggling through persecution and, and, and poverty and things. These folks who were struggling also gave, as I say, and beyond their means, of their own accord, they decided before God, because they gave of themselves first. This is the, the principle, is that if I am a fully devo- devoted follower of Christ, he's going to lead us to do things that sometimes just don't make sense, that seem like, that's ridiculous. How could you do something like that, like go to New Orleans and spend a week down there in, in the lower ninth ward and, and building a house with all the mosquitoes and the bugs and the, the gangs and all this stuff. I can't do that. I could never do that. But when you do it, Carol's testimony, 
and others who have gone on those trips and have just seen God do some amazing things. So he's asking us not to just do things loy loy. Wait, that's a Thai word. Um, just haphazardly, but to, um, to say, God, I'm going to give myself to you, and I want you to tell me where to go. And sometimes it may stretch you, and a lot of times it will. What a principle. To, are you, and my, so my question is, are you a fully devout, devoted follower of Christ today? If, people, if I were to ask your, your kids or your parents or your friends, do you know that they're a Christian? Do you know if they stand firm on their faith? What would they say? That's something to think about. Have you come to the point in your life where you realize a sinfulness and you've placed your trust and hope and salvation in our God, the one who can remove our sin and shame and guilt and the penalty of that sin in our life? And, and, and so lastly, what I want to look at real quick here is three more verses, verses 10, 11, and 12. In, chapter, in Psalm 145, it says, all, all you have made will praise you, O Lord. Your saints will extol you. They will tell of the glory of your kingdom and speak of your might. And they will tell about your mighty deeds and about the majesty and the glory of your reign. So one, one thing that I, that I would like to see myself be better at and us as a congregation to be better at is bringing praise and worship to the Lord. Because he says, all you have made will praise you, O Lord. Your saints will extol you. They will tell of the glory of your kingdom and speak of your might. And they will tell about your mighty deeds and about the majesty and glory of your reign. So in, in just a minute, what I would like us to do is just to divide up in groups of three, four, five and, and share with one another things that God has done. Maybe something you're struggling with that we could pray for you about. But this is more helping us to, to see God through everything. So as you're in your little groups there, um, just take a little bit of time. I'm not going to give you but 10 minutes in this. and Because I want to get you out of here. And then we'll go into Lord's Supper right after that. So... Break up into the groups and just share with one another what God is doing in your life. Then um, somebody in the group pray for your, for your group. And, and if some needs come up, then pray for those needs. And, and then we will um, come back together in a few minutes. Ten minutes I'm going to give you. It's eight. It's 11.50. We'll say we're going to start. So right at noon, we're going to take five minutes for the Lord's Supper at the end and then get you out of here. All right? So let's um, divide up and, and be ready.